How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks, brought to you by BrewHoop.com and also brought to you by BetDSI.com. Again, that's our wonderful sponsor where you can bet on live action of all sorts of games, basketball, obviously this is an NBA podcast, but you can bet about football, other major sporting events, and they do all sorts of other odds as well. So you can check them out at uh, betdsi.com. And if you go there now and use our promo code, that's B-U-C-K-S-10, again, Bucks 10 you get a a free wager and you can start winning today. So go check that out. Um, Frank, oh, I am. I'm normally looking forward to getting to talk to you every weekday. I am. <laughs> I'm normally looking forward to talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Today is not one of those days. I am not very excited about this conversation. I am. I'm not going to say worried about this conversation um but i am prepared to raise my voice um because there's been a lot of stuff in the last day or so that has made me want to go all caps on twitter so i can only imagine that i'm going to want to do the same here in this podcast Uh, we are recording on a sunday afternoon the bucks lost 124 121 to the golden state warriors last night and Played rel- you're you're really you're really pissed off about Rashad Vaughn getting sent to the D League. That's what this is about, right? Honestly, I don't think we're going to get to that, but <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, <laughs> That's also kind of random, especially given last year and this year. But yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, that that won't be what we'll talk about. But the Bucks, uh, I mean, I don't even know how they're in this game. The I I, I mean, I do. They shot fifty percent from the field and fifty percent from three, which is quite helpful, but. Uh, Durant goes for 33, Clay Thompson 29, Steph Curry 20, and the Bucks match that with 30 from Giannis Adetokounmpo along with 6 assists and 28 points and 5 assists from Jabari Parker as well. So the two young guys leading the Bucks in this one and really spearheading a fourth quarter comeback that made this a game and uh, Giannis misses a dunk that I can't even I, – I, I know I asked him after the game – uh, kind of what was going through his head if he got hit if there was a follow and he's just like I mean if I make that move a hundred more times I'm not missing it again and I, I would say I feel the exact same way because it, it seemed like a move I've seen him make plenty of times already this season uh, Mirza misses a top of the key three uh, the Bucks have some turnovers late there were chances for the Bucks to both take a lead in the final two to three minutes, tie the ball game in the final two to three minutes, essentially get a win against the best team in the league. I know 11-2 and two and there's some other records and stuff, but the Golden State Warriors, I think for all, I mean, we can just, they're the best team in the league, the favorites to win the championship this year, and the Bucks almost had them. So I guess before we get into what is really upsetting me, Frank, uh, 
just some general thoughts about the game from Saturday. I know you had a chance to talk to Danny LaRue uh, from does he do he does Lockdown Warriors and then uh, I mean a million other things, but he's Lockdown Warriors host, right? Yeah, and he does Real GM Radio and Sporting News and The Athletic. And it was funny. Yeah, it was funny that you had Danny Larue last night because Nate Duncan was in the house at the BC. Right. So Nate and I were hanging out there while you and Danny were hanging out virtually and getting the podcast recorded. So good on good on you guys that Nate and I didn't get it done. <laughs> yeah, and Nate had people should check out. I retweeted a couple things Nate tweeted during the game, but um, Nate Duncan at Nate Duncan NBA. I think Nate had some. Um, some good observations throughout the game. He, uh, I think he was at practice earlier that day, had a comment I retweeted about Chris Middleton uh, is actually taking some jump shots, but not, not jumping. So such some shot <laughs> shots, uh, which is probably not surprising given um, the surgery on his torn hamstring was, I guess maybe a month ago. Um, I, I, but, talk, uh, I talked to Chris after the game and just kind of asked like, how's he feeling? And mainly cause Nate and I mean sometimes you see Chris sometimes he doesn't but uh, I saw Chris last night and I asked like how he felt and he's like yeah it's good and then I asked like is it strange seeing like that scar on your body and he's like well I actually, I actually can't see it yeah because uh, it's a, it, like it'd be in like that back spot so it was just funny to think like oh you had a life maybe career changing surgery and you literally can't see it while if you get something done on your knee like you can look at it every day um, but there it was just funny to hear him say that. Yeah, and I think, as you said, kind of it was strange because it feels like if the Bucks were going to be competitive in that game, they would have had to, you know, build a lead and then kind of hang on or something like that. Like I would not have expected them to build, you know, a bit of a lead at times in the first half, fall behind and be down. I think they were down fourteen at one point, maybe in the yep they were maybe even in the fourth quarter. But um, but then to come back from that in the fourth quarter is definitely not what I would have expected. And I think especially in that second quarter, I think it was when Golden State had their death lineup in. Um, they were just running high pick and roll. And, yeah, you know, the fact that they have Kevin Durant sitting in the corner uh, spotting up for wide open threes. Uh, I mean, it's just scary. They're and impossible. I mean, and yeah, and, and Durant, I mean, he it's it's crazy that a guy with his physical tools and skill set can also be just a ridiculous three-point shooter you know i mean it makes <laughs> yeah. it makes you appreciate i mean we might marvel at Giannis and everything he can do and obviously he can do some things probably that durant can't with the ball but um you know the fact that durant is this physical freak and he's also uh, you know an elite one of the best in the league shooters uh from deep is just um just insane so so yeah it was interesting um you know it, i think it very interesting that mirza Tlalovic doesn't play at all uh for the first three quarters and then comes in and uh, you know, at that point almost as an afterthought, the bucks go small uh, and you know, Tlodovich, as you said, didn't, didn't play great one out of five from three, but uh, just the pressure he puts, I think on defenses sort of changes uh, the, the nature of the offense and Steve Kerr uh, post game. I thought Jason went really small to start the fourth quarter. I thought that really got their team back in the game. Just the threat of, of Toledovich shooting a three made a difference out there. I think he made one or two, but the threat changed the game. It opened up the floor. Yeah, it did. So anytime you wonder why we talk about Mirza the way we talk about Mirza, or at least the way I've been talking about Mirza, that's it. Yeah, and it's sort of those things. I mean, I don't doubt that, you know, Beasley can do a better job of, you know, getting buckets. And, you know, if you just want points, I, I think Michael Beasley can certainly do that. Um, and I think I, I kind of wondered, you know, maybe a, the big reason why we saw him uh, in the first half, and I don't know if he played in the third quarter, but 
was just because of probably his mobility defensively that maybe Kidd was just afraid to put Toledovic out there um, for defensive matchup purposes. But it's kind of like, you know, I mean... Oh, what was it, Golden State's offensive efficiency? Oh, around 130? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of one of those things that I think at some point, you know, you got to just put shooters out there. And, um, you know, granted, the, the Bucks were obviously scoring pretty easily. And, you know, this wasn't a night to look at the Bucks' offense and, you know, try to act like it was, you know, it's some terrible thing. Um, although people are still in my mentions treating it like the Bucks' offense lost the game last night. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, it's one of those things. I, I don't know how long Kid is going to do kind of stuff like this we'll get into the monroe big man stuff here in a minute but um yeah it, it's strange right because because again you know we we care you know people caricature uh kid as being like oh he wants to play his guys it's like well toledovic is one of his guys <laughs> so it's it's bizarre that toledovic is uh kind of you know a guy that played for him in brooklyn that he that you know the bucks have pursued the last couple of years they finally get him and then uh his minutes are are so sporadic um so far this season so i i hope that's something we we do see uh you know more of him consistently uh but you know again i think everybody's kind of waiting for the bucks rotation to solidify somewhat and um you know that probably see a big part of that is is jason kidd kind of deciding what he wants to do with this team um but anyway so yeah i think that was interesting and and i think that's i tweeted you know if if there's a silver lining from this week, it's that Jason Kidd has actually gone to that small ball lineup and actually tried it. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know how consistently we'll see it. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to play it 20 minutes a night. I mean, even the Warriors, who have the best small ball lineup, you know, in the history of time, uh, you know, they don't go to it for really long stretches because it does tire guys out, uh, especially if the other team is is playing bigger. Uh, you're putting a lot of pressure on guys like Giannis and, and Toledovic to bang with with bigger guys. But um, but I think it's an interesting look. It does change things. And uh, certainly if, you know, if Giannis, he did hit a three last night, but as long as Giannis continues to, to struggle with his own three-point shot, uh, it's obviously very helpful to have other guys out there who can do that. So um, we'll see if that becomes a, a trend or if uh, the kind of stuff we've seen over the past you know month, if, uh, if that continues for a while longer. I guess some other just general thoughts I had. Um, last April, I tweeted out something about the play which is that wiper action that the Bucks use at the end of every game should be dead, should be taken out back and put down. And it had a great run. It had it, a great run there the first it, year or two. It really did. And and there was a lot of great moments that came from it. It worked out a bunch of times. But yeah, everyone in the league was aware last April that the Bucks go to that play late in games and they are certainly aware of it even more now. And yeah, I mean, Draymond essentially said exactly that after the game. Draymond Green said, yeah, they run two plays in that situation. Once Giannis was sitting in the post, I knew which play was coming, and I wanted to try to bait Tony Snell into making that pass, and I did, and I stole it. And the funny thing is is Draymond did that to Anthony Davis the other year in the playoffs. Like, the Pelicans tried to go to Anthony Davis on the block, and if Anthony Davis isn't able to hold off, or even whether or not Draymond completely gets that steal. If Anthony Davis is struggling with that, maybe your play centered on that being the only pass in might not be the best decision. So, um, yeah, Warriors knew the play was coming. It didn't work, and, yeah, things went poorly. So I, I think I think the other thing that was strange about the timing of it, too, was they had 10 seconds left, and 
to me, that play, I mean, it's not a bang-bang play. It does take a second or two to develop because the, the screening action, you know, yeah. you're passing to the post and then the guy on, on that near side has to kind of, you know, do that, that screen movement kind of back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but it's more of a like three, four second type play. Yeah. And so it was interesting that you have all this time to, um, run really kind of any type of action really that you'd go to it. Um, instead of, you know, doing something where, uh, you know, you put the ball in, Giannis or Jabari's hands uh, at the top of the key or something like that and, and then try to run you know somebody off a screen or, or do something um, from from there um, by the way I again I'm never really I'm not going to complain vociferously about Giannis getting the ball in late game situations um, and he makes sense in that scenario because he's an, a huge target for a catch yep. uh, if you're running that play and need somebody in the post but I will say that um you know, watching Giannis uh, spend a bunch of time on the last play where, you know, it didn't really matter, but uh, trying to avoid taking a three-point shot and driving to the basket and he got fouled, it was just sort of like, dude, just take a three, you know, yeah. <laughs> or give it to Jabari. Give it to somebody who's willing to take a three. Um, I, have so. a, I have a question. So last night I was sitting in the end zone, and it's always tough to see. There was a sideline out-of-bounds play before that one, and Giannis was the inbounder. From my seat, it looked like Jabari might have been open on the lob. Was he actually open? Can you remember the play I'm talking about? I don't remember the play. So Okay. I was going to say, in the final minute, I think Durant might have been covering him, and there might have been a lob over the top, but it probably wasn't there. But from my baseline vantage point, it looked like it was for a second. So that's beside the point. Um, other big story of the weekend, of the road trip, of the Bucks' world is <laughs> – Greg Monroe uh, for uh, essentially a third straight night would not have played. Um, He ended up playing two minutes, but that was because John Henson and Miles Plumlee picked up three fouls apiece in the first half, which is also fascinating because then that means you went to Greg because you wanted to make sure that you had Miles and John at the end of the game. So a clear preference for Miles and John over Greg Monroe. Um, so that occurred before the game, and, and I think, and I think the Bucks were getting killed by the death lineup in that end of that second quarter too, right? So you could have, if ever you were going to go small without a center at all, I yep. mean that that would have been an obvious time, but yet instead, you know, kid dusts off Monroe to throw in there, which you know, I mean, the psychology of telling a guy you're not going to play and then being like, oh here, go play two minutes and then come back and then you're not going to play anymore, it's just kind of weird. Um, but anyway, continue. Before the game, we asked Jason. Is it going to be two centers again? He was willing to confirm that it would be two centers. Um, I brought up the fact that Greg was fantastic against the Warriors last year, which he was. I believe double-doubles in both games, five or six assists in both games, and 20-plus in one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was a major reason why the Bucks played so well against the Warriors last year and I asked about okay this seems like an obvious spot for Greg but Jason decided to play very very coy and say the only one I can tell you is Henson's going to start and that's kind of that's kind of what we know Um, so Greg does not end up playing Um, he didn't play uh, in their last game against the Heat and he played just seven minutes against the Hawks uh, so uh, a clear a clear change there and even though Monroe was only playing 21 minutes a game uh, he, he's now playing close to zero minutes a game um, 
So I, I guess general thoughts, Frank. Um, I, I know the, the Twitterverse has had a lot of fun with this one in the last 24 hours, but I guess just general thoughts on the situation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, becoming kind of the lightning rod of uh, fan discontent in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of Jason Kidd-related anger, um, you know, uh, for rotations and we've talked a bit about that so anytime you know things go wrong i think jason kidd is you know being being brought up and i mean i think he there there i mean we, we already talked about it right i mean there's definitely decisions being made by jason kidd that i don't fully understand yep. uh, certainly rotation wise and that i would say you know as a fan uh you know i'm not going to claim to know more about basketball than jason kidd but uh everybody kind of has been looking around not just you know you or I or fans and saying, well, why are you playing this guy and not that guy? Or why is there no consistency to this? And it just seems weird. Um, so I mean, that, that is, is definitely strange, but, um, you know, certainly, uh, he's also being kind of a uh, kid's sort of the, the scapegoat for everything in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I think Jason Kidd has, has a lot of, a lot to prove this season. Um, I think we'll probably talk a lot more about him in the coming weeks. Um, especially as we get more clarity on this, but I think with Monroe, I mean, I think we should start with what we know. Um, and what we know is that the Bucks have been trying to trade Greg Monroe for a very long time. Correct. And indications are that Jason Kidd has been very much on board with trading Greg Monroe. Also correct. Uh, <clears throat> in that span. Uh, we know that he p- brought Greg off the bench for a period last year before bringing him back to the starting lineup. Yep. Um, we know that uh, on media day, there was uh, a and you were sort of at the center of this, Eric, because you were I think <laughs> I think you were the actual person to tell Greg yes. to, to tell Greg that Jason Kidd had just said that uh, uh, Miles Plumlee was going to start camp with uh, the starters, um, which maybe he had interpreted as uh, that he was definitely not starting 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 yeah. period. Um, and he acted confused and, uh, you know, news to me, I believe news to me. So making it clear that Jason Kidd was not communicating with him. And, um, you know, certainly in the, uh, weird PR battle that has basically been going on between Jason Kidd and, and Greg Monroe, uh, for a while now, uh, sort of trying to take the high road of like, uh, don't know anything about it. Um, and who knows, right? Who knows what conversations might have taken place. So, the season started off on a very weird note between Jason Kidd and, and Greg Monroe. And, um, but to be honest, over the first few weeks, I mean, you, you wrote about it. Uh, Greg Monroe's numbers are as good per minute as he's ever put up in, in his career. Uh, he was playing well. The Bucks were playing very well with him on the court. Uh, you know, the uh, ESPN's real plus minus number just came out. Greg's the only other positive guy on the roster uh, or real positive guy on the roster other than Giannis, who's 13th in the entire league. Um, so, yeah, so things kind of seemed like, oh, OK, well, now they've figured it out. I mean, he's playing 20 some minutes. Uh, I guess things are OK. He settled into that role. He's being productive. He's actually seems to be giving a better effort on defense. than maybe what we got used to a year ago. Um, and then he played the last 15 minutes of the Grizzlies game last weekend. Yep. And. There was this, you know, the reported thing that that some fans wrote about that they saw Greg Monroe uh, getting an argument with with Greg Foster during the game. Um, But Greg Monroe finishes the game, as we said, played the last 15 minutes. So for whatever reason, you know, Jason Kidd obviously didn't have a problem with Greg Monroe playing major minutes in that game, which they won. And uh, and then in Atlanta, things, I think, seemed kind of 
normal to start. Greg Monroe comes in, plays seven minutes. The Bucks look really bad in that period, missed some rotations. Greg Monroe wasn't necessarily helping. Uh, the Hawks went on a run in that second quarter when he was in. He goes to the bench, and we don't see him again until what we just described, the two-minute mark of last night's game. And in that span, Jason Kidd said he was going to start going to two centers, and it's you know the players had indicated they don't like having to split between three guys and we really didn't know what that would mean you know is that mean you're going to play two guys every game and it's going to be the same guys is it going to be some kind of rotation I don't know I mean you you've talked to Jason Kidd a fair bit what has been the message that you've gotten from Jason Kidd and also you talked to Greg Monroe last night what what else can you fill in for us because I think the key thing for us at this point is trying to figure out the reality of what has actually happened before we try you know start trying to speculate on on what's behind it sure um before that heat game um obviously uh charles or i think it was after the atlanta game and then charles kind of clarified some of that before the miami game where kid said that he had talked with all three centers and they had said there was a problem with getting any rhythm because three centers is too much the the amount of time that they're getting on the floor isn't quite enough to find any rhythm so he wanted to go to two centers which is okay that i think that all makes logical sense we said the the three center rotation is kind of a disaster and doesn't really make a lot of sense so that's that's just fine and then uh before the game last night charles and i made sure to get a clarification that two centers was the plan and kid confirmed as much and like i said confirmed that henson would be one of them because his starting lineup had to be in and that was something that other people knew um so we knew henson and that was about it 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 sounds like any any time we've asked about is the two center rotation a thing going forward we've never heard anything in the negative um that it, it won't be that so i i believe it's safe to assume that two centers going forward is the answer um last night to end the press conference i got the last question at the press conference uh post game and just asked him about kind of what the plan was there and he said again that sitting on monroe uh quote we're trying to give those guys Plumlee and Henson some confidence uh there's going to be limited time to play three centers in today's game small ball is big and sometimes the schedule doesn't permit you to play three or four centers and playing Giannis at center has given us a spark you know someone has to sit that's just the nature of this business this isn't CYO where everyone has to play so understanding that and being a pro Greg's being a pro about it so he he said he said all that and honestly I I've would struggle to disagree with it because literally i mean i don't know how many times last year in the locker room we we went to greg asked greg about a limited role asked greg about limited touches asked greg about uh, maybe not being able to score as much not play as much and every time we asked him something it was always you know i'm just trying to do what i can to help the team win obviously i i always want to play more but if this is the role coach wants, then this is the the role I'm going to execute. And again, last week when you mentioned that thing I wrote at ESPN Milwaukee, it was kind of the same thing that when I asked Greg about it, he said, obviously, I, I would love to play more, but this role has been working. I've been able to get more and more comfortable in it. So throughout this, Greg has been a team player. Uh, that that really hasn't hasn't changed. 
And then last night happened, and after the game, obviously, Charles and I had to go up there and kind of see what, what Greg thought after the game and about the situation. And the, the major things we wanted to talk about was something you mentioned where during media day, it seemed like there wasn't great communication, that Jason had made a decision and hadn't informed Greg of it. And the one thing that we wanted to nail down was that Jason said before the Miami game, he talked with Greg and let Greg know that, hey, we're going with two centers. So that was one of the major things we wanted to clarify was, did Jason actually talk to Greg? And Greg said that he did and that they talked and that we asked, well, was there an explanation? And he went on to say that kid didn't really give him an explanation, just that he said he was going to go with those guys. Um, so, So that, again communication there may be a bit of a problem there but as you said we're only hearing from two parties we're not hearing from a third possible party that could give us an actual story we're hearing two versions of the truth from two different parties that are both involved uh so that's kind of interesting but yeah monroe further it's frustrating i want to play it but that's the decision he made any reason you want to know why or what's the change you'll have to ask him i don't know so I guess that's kind of where it leaves us, where we are to, I guess, to expect that two centers are going to be the norm going forward. And it seems like we're to expect that Greg is on the outside looking in. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because <laughs> this is the the topic of Greg Monroe has become and Jason Kidd. There, it feels like a political thing where. Um, you know, it, it's black and white and, and, you know, it seems like Jason Kidd is in, 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 a, in a lot of, at least if my mentions are any indication, um, you know, Jason Kidd is, is wrong about everything and is, yeah. is, is the source of, of all bad things. And Same Greg here. Monroe is, is, uh, the victim and, um, you know, but I, I don't know that. I don't know what Greg Monroe is like, you know, with, with his teammates if in practice, um, you know, I mean, we know what he's been like on the court. Um, you know, we've seen him have these random arguments with Chris Middleton last year on the bench. Uh, the, you know, this talk, which, you know, again, I hadn't, I didn't, I, I haven't seen any like footage of it um, or anything like that. But supposedly, you know, he got into argument with with Greg Foster. Um, I mean, who knows, right? Like, you know, we, yeah. we hear stuff about you know fights that happen in practice and sometimes involving players we like and you know and then we kind of you have to figure out what that means um so it's it's difficult right and i think the you know the simplest thing to say well you you parse blame between kid and monroe somehow um right i think that's the natural thing for fans to do Mm. is try to I think I think that's what fans are going to do, right? Well, let, let's say let's let's okay, get away from ahead. like whether that's fair, yeah. right? Because because um, that's what people are naturally going to do, right? If Greg Monroe is not playing and being productive, then I think something is is not right because we know Greg Monroe can be can play and be productive and be better than other options the Bucks have, right? So if you if he's yes. not doing that, um, it's not because John Henson and Miles Plumley are so much better than him. And oh, sorry, Greg, like you just. <sighs> You know, that's just the way the world works. You just you just got stuck behind these two all stars and, you know, keep your head up. Right. That That's not what's happening. Right. So um, so clearly there's something going wrong. And, and, you know, we don't know how much of this could be Greg Monroe's doing what what may be going on between him and Jason Kidd. You know, we know that there has not been seemingly very good communication between these two guys. Um, and again, then you can try to parse blame between the two of them. 
Um, but I would say it's a problem for both of them, right? I mean, if Jason Kidd is going to not play a player who is productive, um, and let me note first off when I when before we kind of dig deep into this, the Bucks did not lose last night's basketball game because Greg Monroe played two minutes. Okay, like I just want to be clear about that. Now, I think. Greg Monroe should play basketball every night for the Milwaukee Bucks as a general rule. But I think if you're going to do the postmortem on why the Bucks lost that game, if anything, it's because maybe they didn't go small enough sooner. Not that they didn't put in their big center low post guy. But that's totally separate point because I think some people were tweeting at me that the Bucks lost because kid refused to put in Greg Monroe. And I, I just, you know, again, I don't agree with that. I think if you look at it, they scored 121 points. That wasn't the problem offense, which is what Greg Monroe does. Anyway, so putting that besides, though, the Bucks are not living up to their potential because they're not playing one of their better players. Jason Kidd has to figure that out. As a coach, he's got to figure that out. Either he's got to get Miles Plumley and John Henson to play way better than they have and make us not care about Greg Monroe not playing, right? Or he has to figure out a way to get Greg Monroe back in the fold. And obviously Jason Kidd is the guy who determines who plays. So that's in his court to do that. But um, but also, I don't know. I don't know why Jason Kidd isn't playing Greg Monroe, to be honest. I mean, is there a, a very rational reason, do you think, that Greg Monroe is not playing basketball right now? I mean, I know we're speculating, <laughs> but, no. you know, is is there like a, a reason where Jason, you know, if we knew, if we were all seen that Jason, we'd find out and be like, oh, OK, I get it. I wish. I mean, it's. For the the time leading up to the Warriors game, my thought was, okay, Greg will play tonight. This will all go away. Maybe if it was a punishment, like they've done punishments before where we haven't heard about it and found out about it later. Like the other year, Giannis sat that game out. There was no reason given. And then the story didn't come out for another year and a half that something happened at practice or whatever it was, and that was discipline. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe – Something did happen, and that game against Miami was discipline. That wasn't the case. Uh, so uh, if there's a lot – one, there, there's not a logical reason staring me in the face. I, I will say that. I can't think of one. I don't know what it could be. Um, and with the attitudes of the two parties involved, there's not something that I feel like we're missing. So th- there is something – there that we can't truly explain um i i mean there's literally nothing to do other than speculate like like at this point like we don't have any answers you don't have any answers i don't have any answers you the listener don't have any answers none of us know anything And, and i guess that's the thing that bothers me is that when People go to social media, they go to my mentions, they go to our comment section, and they start saying things with certain certainty. And there's no certainty to be had in this situation because the, there is none. Whether, the, whether or not something happened, didn't happen, you don't know. And, and that's where I get bothered. All we know is that there's something going on. None of us know what that something is. And it, I, mean, I think the the... If we want, if you know, if all we're trying to do is find blame, then I think there's got to be. It, it's going to be probably proportioned between somehow between Jason Kidd and Greg Monroe because oh, they're the two no, guys that. There's one more. Party. Well, well, I was going to say there's because the, there there's tangential parties like, for instance, John Hammond going and paying or I think whoever that's the you, party. 
whoever you apportion blame for Miles Plumley's contract. You know, some people say that Jason Kidd runs everything in the Bucks front office. So, you know, then I guess if, if that's your belief that that he signed Miles Plumley and uh, but I don't based on my understanding, I don't think that that is the case. I think uh, John Hammond was on board with with paying Miles Plumley um, and giving, you know, the Bucks three centers that obviously they can't play all of them at once. And, you know, um, again, if, if Jason Kidd is, is doing this cause he's, you know, the, the conspiracy theory of he's pissed off cause the front office couldn't trade, uh, one of the centers and, and clear the log jam for him. You know, there's another conspiracy theory that you could throw out there. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you know, Jason Kidd marooning Greg Monroe on the bench doesn't help Jason Kidd. And nope. It does. I mean, I don't buy that this makes it more likely that Greg Monroe opts out next year because, I mean, any chance that you could have moved Greg Monroe in a trade, for instance, if you didn't want him around, um, would have been higher if he was being a productive bench player who was buying in and doing what he had been doing for the first three, four weeks of the season. Now you could say, well, nobody needs centers in the NBA. So even if he was playing really well, wouldn't matter. Um, but I feel like that's probably overly cynical. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, this, you know, wh- wh- where the Bucks are right now helps no one. It doesn't help Greg Monroe. It doesn't help Jason Kidd. It certainly doesn't help Milwaukee Bucks. Nope. Um, and I think that's probably the frustrating part is that uh, those are the parties that have to sort this out because just, you know, kind of saying, well, we're going to go two centers and I'm not going to tell you who those guys are. And then every night it's not, <laughs> it's not Greg Monroe. Um, that, that is not going to get the Bucks anywhere unless – uh, they're going to go to ownership and tell them, hey, yeah, uh, you're going to have to go buy out uh, Greg Monroe's contract. Sorry about that, which um, I don't think is, a, you know, I, I think there are much better solutions than that as well. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It it feels somewhat somewhat irredeemable. Like there's no going back from this. Uh, to go for three games and not play your most productive center by a wide margin, like there, there. You can't say it was close. Like, like those two, Henson and Plumley have played so poorly this season that you can't say it was close. Greg Monroe was easily the most productive center, and you decided that, you know what, we're going to sit him for three games. So, it just seems that it just seems like such a strange decision. And 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 maybe, like I said, maybe something did happen, and the whole locker room is behind it, but. I can't imagine that like that's just it just seems like a terrible message to send and also I I guess when we make when we say that this is a a kid in Monroe issue the reason I'm the reason I'm so insistent on saying it's not their issue is because all of us saw this coming what was the percent chance that we got through this season without one of Henson Plumley or Monroe being upset, angry, misused, mistreated, any of those things. Wait, when, when 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 have John Henson and Miles Plumley ever suggested that they would be upset playing limited or no minutes? I think that cuz I think cause that, Henson, I think that's a great Henson answer, Frank. Cuz Henson and Plumley have both, you know, they've both been on the outs at various points in time and um they have both basically sat there and took it and taken it, right? Not taken it, that's not a word. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's um, I don't think that I don't think it had to be like this necessarily. Right. I, and I think and I think we agree on this. You know, when we say that Greg Monroe has been by far the most productive Bucks player doesn't mean that he has to start necessarily. Right. No. But 
the idea that you can't find any minutes for him, uh, you know, on a night to night basis. Took away obviously, the bone is, you threw him. Like, right. You threw him a bone with the bench roll and destroying bench units, and then you took it away. And it was working, right? Correct. I mean, the Bucks, the Bucks were good when he was on the court, right? Yes. And and I think Giannis had great numbers when when Greg was on the court, um, you know, or or at least they were massively positive when yep. when I think Giannis and Greg were on the court together. Um, so it's not like there was some, you know, thing where even if you know, and again, I'm not somebody who believes Greg Monroe is a great fit for the core of this team. I think you are as well. That you know, you yep. we're, we're both we both get that why you wouldn't want Greg Monroe, you know, locked up on a long term contract beyond this one, but. Um, but there's a difference between that and saying like, oh, guy shouldn't play at all, especially with with the competition he has around him. So, yeah, it's it's a really strange situation. And I mean, regardless of where you put the blame, I mean, the problem is those I think kid and, and Monroe, they I mean, do, would you agree that those are the guys who have to figure this out? I mean, if Monroe's not doing something that kid doesn't want, then kid has to figure out if he can get him to do that and if kid is just not playing him because of some you know some personal reason well kids got to figure out how to coach this team and coach greg monroe and if he just says i'm going to take my ball and go home i mean i don't think there's anything inevitable that means that he had to do that you know i I mean as much as we say that something was going to happen this year with all having three centers i don't think greg monroe being pissed off and never playing was some inevitability that had to happen um but something so. might have happened. And again, like you said, Henson, Henson and Plumlee have, have never been the excitable types. I, I guess just what upsets me most about all this is Greg Monroe was signed, was a big free agent signing. The, the organization was very excited about it. He came in last year and essentially did what he's always done. So you bought, you, you brought in this player. You paid for this player to come in. He did what he does. And you didn't like it. So then this year, he buys into your role. He's fine with... I shouldn't say fine, but he's dealing with playing 21 minutes a game. Plays the best basketball of his life. And gets sat on the bench. And it just seems like no matter what Greg Monroe does, it's not enough. And that is not his fault. Because he has been who he is, and as I've written, I think this year he's been better than who he is. I, I think his his defense has improved. Again, it's still not going to be great. He's slow-footed, etc. I thought it got better, and it's just really hard for me to, po- to put the blame on him when it if it's anyone's fault, it's the organization's fault, and it's the coaching staff's fault. Like, this is not, to me, this has never been a Greg Monroe problem. This has been you asking Greg Monroe to be something he's not, to do something he can't, or to expect something that he isn't. And that's not on him. He's the basketball player he's always been. He's a good basketball player who, like you said, probably doesn't fit that well. But that's not on him. That's not his fault. That is everyone else's fault. That's the organization's fault. That's on them for not making it work or for signing a player that doesn't fit them. Well, I I will say I would say this if Greg Monroe, the thing that we don't understand is we don't understand the dynamic between Greg Monroe and his teammates. Right. So if Greg Monroe does what he always does, but um, let's just say mm, he never passes out when he gets the ball inside of five feet and maybe his teammates don't like that because, you know, he's trying to get his touches or he cares about his shots or whatever. And he's not maybe as much of a team first guy as maybe he should be. Well, I mean, that that is on Greg Monroe and teammates should should be in what respect? 
Well, I mean, Greg as Monroe, a good teammate, not, quote unquote. Greg, nobody owes Greg Monroe. Like the rest of his teammates don't owe Greg Monroe anything, right? Um, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, th- I think, and I don't know if you, I don't know if he said anything to you last night, but I think Giannis made some comments about liking the small ball lineup, um, and it'll be interesting to see what, uh, if anything, some of the other guys in the locker room say about this, because I think you know that that will tell us a fair bit about where you know they are on the Monroe versus Kid situation and and you know how they feel about it which i don't think we've necessarily gotten any you know real obvious statements so far but um but i mean the the problem regardless of of whether greg monroe is being a good soldier or whether he's pouting or whether he's not doing something that you know should or shouldn't be expected ultimately it's the bucks organization's problem at this point right like they've got him and they can't trade him by all accounts so they have to figure it out and um you know, if you sign a, a great player or a terrible player or a good player, a good person or a bad person, it's he, you did it right. That's Correct. you know, that's your bed now and you got to make it. And so um, I appreciate that. You know, we obviously we want to understand what Greg Monroe's, you know, culpability is and whether his attitude has suddenly been bad or whether it's, you know, oh, it's all kids fault, whatever it is. I get that. I mean, that's that's only human nature. We're going to try to figure that out um, or just, you know, speculate wildly, uh, obviously, as, <laughs> as we've been we've been trying to not do too, too wildly. Um, but ultimately, to me, this is like, you know, the ball is in Jason Kidd's court and the Bucks organization's court. Right. Because Jay. Greg Monroe can't trade himself or I'm sure he would have. Yeah. Um, So I think to me, that's the bottom line is, is either Jason Kidd and the Bucks as a whole figure out some way to make the best of, of Greg Monroe. um, Or I don't know. I don't know what happens after that. And it'll be very interesting to see if this continues, does it become a distraction? And, you know, even if Greg Monroe makes himself a distraction, well, the Bucks have to deal with that and they should have thought about that, you know, when they came into the season. So, Anyway, should we should we just bury it for now? Uh, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're gonna have to come back to this very soon. So, um, so <laughs> I, I don't no, know. I have no doubts about that, Frank. Uh, I have, I'm I have sure no doubt Monday's we're game will give us uh, or tonight's game since we're recording this on Sunday and it'll play on Monday. I'm sure Monday's night Monday night's game against the Magic will give us a fresh set of storylines, and uh, it, it'll be fascinating. I guess one thing that I've been thinking about this whole time is that. In the last three games where Monroe hasn't played, we've seen three very different teams. And we've seen three very different center rotations. Like in Atlanta, you see Howard's out, so it's like Mike Muscala and other generally quicker kind of guys. And then you go to the Heat, and it's Whiteside, again, maybe athletic, long. And then to the Warriors, where... It's Zaza and like it's David West as the nominal big guys that Monroe should match up pretty well against, I guess. Um, and I guess I'm fascinated by what a good matchup is for Greg Monroe. If he couldn't get run in the last three games with three very different center rotations, what allows him to get run? Is there a combination that gets run? And like I said, we are going to almost certainly discuss this again on monday night i can't wait oh yeah i'm <laughs> i am jacked about it i i'm loving this conversation this is 
been a ton of fun, and I hope it's been a ton of fun for all of our listeners, but uh, very necessary, something that we we definitely needed to talk to, or talk about, excuse me. Um, and also, I need to talk about our sponsor of this podcast, that is BetDSI.com. Uh, Again, go to BetDSI.com. You can go there, use our promo code of B-U-C-K-S-10. Again, that's Bucks 10 You'll get a free wager, and you can start winning today. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back oh, I get the, this evening um, after uh, <laughs> tomorrow. The, tomorrow. This evening. This evening I, I, I never know which way to go on it. Um, but it, we'll be back after the Magic game, and we'll have another podcast ready for you on Tuesday. Uh, be sure, as always, to go subscribe. Uh, any of the places, iTunes, Audio Boom, uh, RSS feed, anywhere else you can subscribe, Frank. I'm trying to think. Um, I think that's about just, it. Just go to just go to brewhoop.com every day and read all of our articles. You'll never miss a single one. So. That's 100% correct as well. Uh, you can go to brewhoop.com as well. But that'll be it for us today. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.